We all know that the hardest trials are not the ones that hurt the deepest. The hardest trials are those that endure the longest. And so this is a psalm that speaks to these situations of our lives. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you've joined us today. And Colin, what we just heard about enduring trials that may have caught somebody off guard, at least initially. But when you stop and think about it, it is that long-term enduring pain or trial that I think sometimes we find just so unbelievably tough. It really is. And uh, well, you may have been in a situation where you would say, you know, I could endure almost any amount of pain as long as I know that it's for a limited period of time and that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Yeah. But uh, when you feel that a situation just going on and on and on and it's unresolved and you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, that's where it becomes really draining. Mm-hmm. And uh, how wonderful that the psalm we're looking at today is given to us by the Holy Spirit of God for exactly that kind of situation. Here you are in difficulties in a marriage, difficulties in your work, and you don't see an end to this. And you wonder, how long can I endure this? How long, O Lord? Well, here's Holy Spirit-inspired praying, and it's just for you in a situation where you feel you cannot yet see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, we find that in Psalm chapter 13, so I hope you'll open your Bible and join us there as we begin this message, How to Pray When You're in Agony of Soul. Here's Pastor Colin. I think the first thing to say is thank God that this psalm is in the Bible because we need it. We live in a suffering world, and a faith that does not speak to human pain is simply not worth taking seriously. Psalm 13 is particularly addressed to struggles that show no sign of ending. So four times in the first two verses, you have the same question, how long? How long? How long? How long? And we all know that the hardest trials are not the ones that hurt the deepest. The hardest trials are those that endure the longest. And so this is a psalm that speaks to these situations of our lives. Now, sort of beginning with the application, which might seem the wrong way around, but it will tune our minds, I think, to the use of this psalm. I want to suggest three particular ways in which this psalm may be especially useful to us, particular situations that don't exist at every point in life, but will immediately touch today many in our congregation, one of these three, And uh, for many of us, uh, many more of us, one of these will touch us at some point in our lives. The first of these is the loss of a loved one. I've been reading this book um, through the week, Lament for a Son, by Nicholas Walterstoff. Walterstoff went through the tragic loss of his 25-year-old son through a climbing accident, And in the year that followed that devastating experience that a good number in our congregation have also endured, he maintained a journal and wrote down his many thoughts and his struggles. It's compelling, and it is very, very moving. He published it clearly, and 12 years later, reflecting on his experience, this is what he writes, "'Often I am asked whether the grief remains as intense as when I wrote.'" The answer is no, the wound is no longer raw, but it has not disappeared. And that is how it should be. 
if he was worth loving, he is worth grieving over. Grief is testimony to the worth of the loved one, and that worth abides. So I own my grief. I do not try and put it behind me to get over it or to forget it. If someone asks me, who are you? Tell me about yourself. I say, not immediately, but shortly, I am one who lost a son. That determines my identity. Not all of it, but much of it. It belongs within my story. I struggle indeed to go beyond merely owning my grief towards owning it redemptively, but I will not and I cannot disown it. And everyone who has been through that experience will know exactly what he is saying. Psalm 13 is a lament. We spoke about laments earlier in the year when we were in the book of Joel, you may remember. And uh, this is a lament that is especially useful for any person who walks through a journey of irreplaceable loss. Second application, when there is strain in the family. James Boyce writes very perceptively on this. He describes what I think is actually quite common among in families, at least at some stage of life. But he describes it so well, I just want to quote from him. He says, it may be that the happiness of the early days of a marriage has been replaced by the stress of trying to work out personality conflicts or other difficulties. He describes that very well. You may be wondering if God has ceased to bless your marriage. Your problems, he says, may involve children. You remember the early days when it was comparatively easy to rear them. Your family had many good times together. But now one or more of your children is antagonistic, and everyone else in the family suffers under the inevitable strain. Nobody has fun anymore. And if you're in a place where the joy has gone out of life, when you feel that you are enduring rather than enjoying, then Psalm 13 is definitely for you. You are in a marriage where you expected so much, you had such anticipation of continuing joy, and yet you're, you're in this strain that seems to be going on of temperaments and personalities that just are rubbing in the wrong way, and you say, how long? And Psalm 13 speaks right into the reality of your experience. Third situation, long-term exhaustion. And some of you will know about this right now and many others at different times of life. Here's what this looks like. You have been carrying a heavy burden that has been trusted to you, and you have been doing it for a long period of time, and now the strain is beginning to tell. It may be that um, you are enduring long-term physical pain or, or mental anguish. Or it may simply be the sheer weight of responsibility. God has been sustaining you, but the longer you go on carrying this burden, the heavier it seems to get, and you're becoming more and more aware of that, and you say, how long, O oh Lord? Not sure how long I can do this, and, and this psalm is definitely for you. Now, if you are not in one of these three situations today, the first thing I want to say to you is be very thankful. You say, well, now, thank God. And then immediately recognize that many of your brothers and sisters around you are in one of these situations, and that it is very important to be sensitive to the needs and to the burdens that are carried by others. And then if you have been shaped by a form of Christianity 
that only speaks about prayers being answered and faith that receives and blessings that abound, you need to take this psalm and others like it seriously. Because we live in a suffering world, and Christians are not exempt from that suffering. And anyone who takes the Bible seriously has to come to the conclusion that those who follow the crucified one cannot expect to live a pain-free life. God speaks to a suffering world, speaks to human pain. One of the greatest chapters of the Bible, surely Romans in chapter 8. How does it begin? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How does it end? Nothing shall ever separate us from the love of Christ. What does it say in the middle? We who have the Holy Spirit groan inwardly as we await for our adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. So there's the reality of experience between the wonderful knowledge that there's no condemnation in Christ and the sure and certain foundation that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, what's the experience of those who have the Spirit? Well, Paul says it includes this. We groan inwardly as we are waiting for the adoption of sons and for the redemption of our bodies. Now, Psalm 13 is simply a groaning psalm, and it is placed in the Bible because with the reality of life in this world, we all need it. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, a message called How to Pray When You're in Agony of Soul. And we do have to pause right here, but stay with us. We'll get back to the message in just a moment. Well, all this month, we've been talking about a book that Pastor Colin has picked out called Christian Manifesto. It's written by Alistair Begg. And this is a book for anyone who's feeling anxious about the deepening cultural divide in our time. And this is a book full of grace and wisdom of Jesus that we need today. We've been talking about this being our thank you gift to you as you financially support Open the Bible this month. And with uh, our month quickly coming to a close, only two days left to give a gift of any amount and receive your copy of the book, Christian Manifesto. You can give a gift online right now at openthebible.org or when you call 1-877-OPEN-365. That's one 877 673 6365. Again, the website is openthebible.org. Well, let's get back to the message. Once again, here is Pastor Colin. How should you pray when, for whatever reason, you find yourself in an agony of soul? Number one, lay out what you feel. And that's in the first two verses. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now, the most striking thing, surely, about these verses is that David is speaking here with complete candor, absolute frankness. This is no holds barred saying it like it is in the presence of God. And David is feeling that he has reached the limit of what he can endure in these struggles. How can I carry on like this, he says to God. And he lays it all out in the presence of God, wonderfully releasing, wonderfully important. His struggle comes in three parts. He is a struggle with his enemy, whatever he's up against. 
And he says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Notice that phrase, over me. In other words, he's feeling that whatever it was that David was facing, it's got the upper hand over him. He's not on top of it. It's on top of him. It's over me. He feels pressed down by it. He's not prevailing over it. If you had said to David, we've got a seminar on Saturday called How to Live a Victorious Christian Life, David would have said, that's not for me because I'm not living in victory. I'm feeling that I'm under this thing. That's the reality of my experience. I feel defeated. I barely know how to keep going, let alone be victorious. Second, he's struggling with himself. Verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? Taking counsel in my soul. In other words, he's going round and round in circles in his own internal thoughts. You know what that's like when you're distressed. What am I going to do? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do the other? How am I going to survive? How can I carry on? And these relentless questions going on in the soul, and in this situation, none of them making any progress whatsoever. There's never any answer. Endless conversation going on within the soul, but because he's only taking counsel with himself, he feels God is so far off, um, he never breaks out of this cycle of feeling completely defeated by the whole circumstance in which he finds himself. And then, of course, the heart of it, which is why it's at the beginning, is his struggle with God. Oh, Lord, will you forget me forever? Hide your face from me. And here's the heart of the problem that he's struggling with. And do you know what this is like if you've been through this kind of experience? Why does God seem so far away when I need him the most? That's what he's saying here. Now, you may be asking the question, how common is this? This is a sort of really strange experience that David is going through. Listen to this comment again from James Boyce that I found helpful. He says, speaking out of years of pastoral experience, I am convinced that a feeling of abandonment is far more common than it appears to be. Many people feel abandoned first by others, but ultimately also by God. And he's talking about Christian believers here. He goes on to say that although this is, in his experience, a common problem, he is surprised by the degree to which it is ignored. Why do you suppose this is, he asks. Answer, I think it is because we have been taught that Christians are not supposed to experience such things and that we are only to have life more abundantly or to live victoriously. Well, thank God David does speak about it. And everyone who knows this experience will be saying, oh, thank God, the truth of the Bible cuts through some of the clutter and the trite phraseology that can so easily exist in our world of well-being. Here's some real honesty of a godly man who's struggling with the fact that God seems to be paying no attention to him at the very point where his need is greatest. Now, this is the first thing that we're learning from the psalm. What does David do in this situation? He lays it out before the Lord. He opens up what he feels. Now, friend, doing that will not solve the problem, but it will be helpful. 
And it is important. No relationship with God can be sustained apart from truthfulness, integrity, honesty. And God seeks a relationship with you that is marked by honesty, not by pretense. And it's actually the strength of David's faith. It is actually the hunger that David has for a felt knowledge of God that gives rise to this prayer that comes out of the very depth of his soul. And so, how are you to pray when you are in an agony of soul? Here's the first thing. Lay out what you feel. No holds barred in the presence of God. Have no inhibitions about it. There is nothing that is hidden from Him, and it is so important for you to follow the example and the model of David here. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Lift up what you need. Lift up what you need. Verses 3 and 4, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. And here's the heart of his request in the prayer. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep in death, and so on. Now, let me try and make this very practical for all of us here today. How would you try and help a person in your life group who this week shared with you and with the others that they felt utterly abandoned by God? What would you say? And this may very well happen in some groups. Someone were to say, now, I have been a believer for many, many years, but right now I feel that God has forgotten me. I feel He's not looking in my direction. He doesn't, he's hiding His face from me. What if someone was to say in your life group this week, I have been praying and praying and praying, and I never get an answer. Someone just said that to me this week, and of course, that's something that is often a burden for a Christian believer. God's hiding His face from me. I have no sense of His love. I have no sense of His presence. How would you help them? Well, let me make these three suggestions to you. First, it is very important to recognize the experience, and that's one of the ways in which Psalm 13 helps us. If a mature believer like David, who was a man after God's own heart, can feel abandoned by God, then no one should be surprised when it happens to others among us. Don't assume the worst about a believer who feels that God has abandoned them. You may find that someone within your life group, someone who is a Christian friend, says some very strong things where they're in the depth of grief. And you may say, well, how could they possibly have said that? And if you are rooted in the Bible, you will have some understanding. You'll say, well, even David was there. So, recognize the experience. Second, discern the question. Now, here's something worth remembering. It is a great mistake to assume that everyone who suffers is asking the question, why? Many people ask the question, why, when they suffer. But others ask the question, how long? Which is a very different question. These are totally different questions. One is a question of meaning. The other is a question of endurance. And it's very important if you want to help a person who's suffering to discern which of these questions they're actually asking, because the answers are quite different. The approach, the response is quite different. You know there are many, many psalms that ask the question, why? Many psalms. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is the why question, Psalm 22. But look for the word why in this psalm. It's not there. What question is in this psalm? How long? Four times. If you didn't hear that, you weren't listening. If it's a person who's speaking to you, you say, how long, how long, how long? How long? This is not a question of making sense of suffering. This is a question of finding the strength to endure it. What this is a cry for is not for wisdom to which you're going to give some answer, but for strength. And that is why it's so important that when the question is, how am I going to find strength? What's the next thing that happens in verse 3 and 4? That you find David coming and he's, he's asking for help. So, you see, if you were to come to David when he's not asking the why question, he's asking the how long question. And if you were simply to say to David, you know what? I know it's years after you live, but one day Romans 8, 28 will be written. And it says, God works in all things for good for those who love him and so forth. David would not particularly be helped by that. He's not asking, is God good? He's asking, how do I get through tomorrow? And that's the whole point of the prayer. So he asks for help. So recognize the problem, discern the question. This is about how to help our friends in dark places, and then ask for help. The best thing you can do for a believer who feels overwhelmed with their sorrow and abandoned by God is to come alongside and to pray for them, and to pray if they will allow you with them especially when they feel that they are not able to pray for themselves. A powerful reminder today from Pastor Colin that sometimes when we're interacting with someone who we know is in a lot of pain, they're in that agony of soul, the best thing that we can do is not just to wait for them to ask, but to come alongside them and to pray for and with them. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. Our message today is called How to Pray When You're in Agony of Soul. It is the fifth message in our series, With Christ in the School of Prayer. And if you missed any of the broadcasts in our series, come and listen online at openthebible.org. You can also order a copy of the entire series on CD. Ask about With Christ in the School of Prayer when you call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-673. 6365, or you'll find ordering information online at openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is able to be on the station because of your generosity. Being listener-supported, it is your financial giving that keeps this ministry strong. So thank you for supporting Open the Bible. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book written by Alistair Begg. It is called The Christian Manifesto. And Colin, how might we benefit from reading this book? Well, the Christian Manifesto sets out what Jesus Christ calls us to. I mean, what are we to be in this world? What are we to promote in this world? What are we to do in this world? What are we for in this world? That's the heart of what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount or in Luke's version. It's called the Sermon in the Plain. And Alistair draws out this teaching of Jesus in a wonderfully winsome and applied way. It's so practical. It's so full of grace. And it's so helpful and so encouraging. At its heart, what we're called to is a life in which we love those with whom we radically disagree, 
speak with gentleness and kindness at all times to all people and to focus first on dealing with our own sins rather than with the sins of others. Now, that's very different from much of what we see around us. And yet it's the life that Jesus calls us to pursue. And in pursuing that life, Christians are going to shine like lights in the darkness that's around us. Well, we would love to send you a copy of this book, The Christian Manifesto, is our way of saying thank you for financially supporting Open the Bible this month. You can call us at one 877 open 365 That's one 673 6365 Or you can find out more or give a gift online at openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Suppose someone were to say to you, I've been a Christian for many years, but I feel that God has abandoned me. How would you help them? Find out next time on Open the Bible.